Welcome back to episode 9 of the Seek a Strength podcast. Yeah, it's definitely episode 9. Uh, last week's episode was how to program for yourself. We are currently sitting in the car outside CrossFit Mallow. Uh, I train on the regular. And we were just recording this episode before we go in. Uh, this episode is going to be on mental preparation for training. Not a training session in particular, but just training in general Yeah. for everyone. Wait in terms of mental preparation for a session, recording a podcast just before you do one probably isn't the best thing. Probably might make you neurotic and overthink things. <laughs> um, so we're going to try and attack it from like a few different... Um, weightlifters. Weightlifters, powerlifters, just athletes who are going to the gym. Real athletes, as we've been saying. Real athletes. No one took offence to that anyway, and there's a good few, good few people listening to the podcast, so I'm alright with that. Yeah, People know what they mean. Around 4,000 listens so far and nobody's messaged us complaining. Yeah, like even if um, you've like, you've won an Olympic gold medal, you're probably not even a real athlete if you're a weightlifter. You just have to think. <laughs> okay, um. so there's a few different ways we might look at mental preparation for training. The first way is when you're actually sitting in your car outside the gym or you're at work during the day or you're at class during the day and you're actually thinking about your session and that's like really specific mental preparation so Garth what are you doing in training this evening I'm just going to do some tall snatch and some snatch balance 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 so if Garth was thinking about his tall snatches and snatch balances he might be throughout the day starting to think okay I really really have to pull hard with my shoulders on the tall snatch um, on the snatch balance I really have to be like strong in the catch position getting really neurotic about it yeah Real. And, and like really specifically thinking about those exercises getting ready to beat myself up later when I don't do those things yeah and just a bit of self-hatred mm-hmm. um, so we'll talk about that we'll talk about then kind of when you're looking at your program for next week so it might be a Sunday night and you're looking through day one two three four five and you say oh god Thursday's going to be a really heavy day um and that's a kind of mental preparation in itself, how you think about those sessions and how you look at about, look at those sessions uh, in respect or relative to the other sessions you might have in the week. Um, and then there's just the general mental preparation you have before every session. So maybe we might do it again, like last week's podcast on how to program for yourself. So we'll start with a really high-level macro scale. So we'll start with... What a lot of, I'm under the impression now, so Daryl will legitimise this podcast an awful lot because he's currently undergoing a master's in sports psychology. Um, he didn't want a job, so he said he'd do that. And yeah, um, Just never ever going to get a job. So we'll pick like a competition. So what a lot of, I'm under the impression, they talk about the process. Yeah. Rather than... Rather than outcome orientated. Yeah, so the process for most of us, so let's say you're a one of the weightlifters, powerlifters, and crossfitters listening is you're you're aiming for a competition, and I suppose it'll depend on what level of competition is, and that'll kind of influence how intensely you'll be preparing mentally for that. So let's say, and the reason you're doing that competition will also influence why you're doing it. So let's say you're a weightlifter and you're trying to qualify for the Europeans, so you have to do your national qualification event. So the intensity you'll bring to that competition will be most likely less than the intensity you'll bring to the, the Europeans. Senior competition. Because you'll just think, I just need to do these two numbers. And unless you're in a position where you're just you're barely scraping by, if you're comfortably making it, or not comfortably, but you still have to take it seriously, you'll bring a different kind of, um, I suppose, different kind of game yeah. to those two competitions, you know? Definitely, yeah. And then... So, like, when you talked earlier about, like, being process-driven, we'll then kind of view those prep competitions or those qualifier competitions as just another step in the process. Um, that would be alternative to think if we were outcome-driven and all we thought about was I want to come fifth or I want to come top five or top ten at European seniors, that would be completely different. So top five or top ten at European seniors is your only goal then so I suppose you'd break it down to outcome driven by our competition but while we're training we're going yeah. process driven yeah. okay? and process driven 
helps reduce a load of bad, basically maladaptive things for us, like anxiety. Um, it also stops us deviating from our plans. So if I'm just outcome orientated and all I care about is the number, I could end up doing snatches for an hour and a half just to try and hit. Which we've all done. Which we've all done, but just to for try and hit. most of the time, not for the better. No, sometimes it is for the better, but most of the time it's not. Most of the time not. Um, so on a macro scale, we kind of just need to, when we're planning our training or when we're mentally preparing, think about it being a process. We're going to enjoy the process. It might be the most enjoyable thing to do. But we're thinking about processes being the thing that drive us to be athletes. I think when something I do is, no matter how shit it is, I'm very happy to be training. Yeah. So no matter how shit something's going, I have voluntarily walked into the gym to lift this bar or do whatever the fuck I'm doing. And I think it's very important to have perspective that it's you. So most of us listening to this, I'm going to say all of us listening to this, aren't full-time elite athletes. No. So it be, it's a little different then. So your whole livelihood is relying on it. So enjoying it may not be relevant. No, no, no. It probably is relevant in the fact that you should be enjoying it because then this might be will obviously make a big difference in how much you're going to commit to it. But for most of us, we're in a very fortunate position just to be lifting, like to have enough um, enough of a freedom in our life to just go to the gym and lift things. It used to be very much enjoy. So being a little bitch about missing some snatches. <laughs> I can't remember who said it. It was one of the American coaches was saying that our life is so easy now that we literally have to make up things to do to make ourselves yeah. struggle. So, like, I think that perspective, for me, helps me an awful lot sometimes. So, you know, when things are going shit, I'm still like, well, this is what I really love doing. I'm still doing it. I might not be lifting what I want, but I'm not injured. I'm not restricted in any way of doing it. So, most of the time, I like to keep that as a way of grounding myself and just telling myself, shut the fuck up. If I yeah, it's a, a nice little reality check. For sure. Another great reality check is just being like, oh, the numbers aren't going great today, but remember what the numbers were like two years ago mm-hmm. or remember what the numbers were like five years ago yeah and then like although that sucks if your numbers were better two years ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it is it's those small little reality checks are very very handy um do you do anything like framing or anything before training sessions uh i always take a shit <laughs> you asked no framing um so and by the way that is girth's pre-performance routine down to a T. We'll get to it in a minute. <laughs> okay. But uh, in terms of framing, I don't think, um, usually, I just think about every session individually at the moment because I don't compete anymore. So while I do have outcome driven in terms of numbers, I'm almost ex- exclusively process driven at the moment in terms of that. I just think about that session. So if I say like today I do have my snatch balance, if it's, let's say I'll have a number in mind, even though I know I can go heavier, I will just think about you know, a lot of times I'm like, I'm going to do that, and I'll tell myself to do that. Because I, because I don't have a competition in mind, sometimes it can be a little bit harder to kind of mm, keep yourself accountable maybe to the yeah. process sometimes. Not in the fact that like I'm like, I don't even go training, but maybe sometimes it kind of, I'm a bit of drift yeah. in the terms of... Um, it's just a different amount of drive. Like, yeah. Um, do you I do anything? think, I definitely think for... Like the people we coach. What's um, framing? Tell people what framing so is. So what framing is basically is, it's like a little psychological tool. We hate saying you have tools in your toolbox. Tools. I hate that yet, It's yet another time when it's a good thing to do. But, um, what framing is, it's it's basically like a small little mild mindfulness intervention. So it might be taking three minutes or five minutes before training. You want to clear your brain of everything that's going on in it. You want to take two or three main points from the session. So say if you were doing a framing exercise before today, you'd think about a cue for your tall snatch, a cue for your snatch balance, Mm -hmm. and a cue for your accessory work or whatever it was. Just concentrating on those things, clearing out whatever happened in work and whatever happened earlier on the day or during the weekend. Is there post-training framing reflection? Yeah, so it can be post-framing or post-training framing can have two different pros or two different effects. The first thing it can do, it, it can solidify what you've done during the session. So if you're learning new motor patterns or new um, like processes again of psychological uh, processing, 
it can solidify those things, but then it can also leave whatever happened in the gym. Mm -hmm. So say if it, it wasn't a great session, or mm -hmm. as well if it was a great session, but you need to now go home and sleep, mm -hmm. it can turn off that stimulation, can allow you to relax, and then allow you to go out to session two or session three of the week with a clear head, not thinking about what happened today. Yeah, I, I think at the moment, I use I used to go for a walk before training, ten minute walk as part yeah. of the old vertical diet. But I just use the assault bike now for ten minutes, and I think that's um, that's the same thing. Yeah, because I'm already in the gym. I think it's a bit more grounding. Um, it definitely helps a bit because I'm still doing some kind of exercise, but I'm not doing anything that I need to concentrate on realistically. Yeah. And even though I'll be doing stuff on my phone most of the time, uh, I think it definitely sets the uh, the old framework or the mood for yeah. And session. I think for anybody like especially if you're coming straight from work or straight from looking after your kids or straight from a class or something like that it is important it might only be five minutes mm -hmm. and like you say you take a shit before every training session mm -hmm. curve shit can last for like 15 to 20 minutes of him just inside the toilet on his phone <laughs> um but that is like these are all kind of framing methods and methods of leaving whatever has happened outside the gym at the door mm -hmm. going in and getting after it while you're training yep. and then coming back out into it again like a lot of times and you've heard you've probably heard this if you follow um, weightlifters or maybe to a lesser extent powerlifters but a lot of time weightlifters will say you know today I feel like shit but I went in and I had a huge PB yeah. you know and some it's very it's very hard to realistically know what you're going to feel like until you lift so, so obviously just extreme cases whereas if you feel like total shit then there's a chances there you'll know if you feel that really deep neurological fatigue yeah but if you just feel a little bit uh, puffy you know your eyes kind of feel a bit puffy your brain's a bit foggy before Hands training might be a bit swollen yeah like that's not um that's just a it's just a terrible indicator yeah but really when you everybody does this like you rely heavily on those indicators but most of the time if you have a good program and a good coach it's probably already taken into account yeah. or at least it should be so a lot of times you just need to ignore that and trust that you're going to do what you need to do. I remember that week in Romania. I think it was the Saturday morning waking up being in fucking bits. Was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like walking to the gym hurt and the gym was like 300 metres away from the hotel. Mm -hmm. Walking to the gym hurt. Sat down on the couch in the reception. That hurt. Mm -hmm. Stood up and then it's just like trying to leave that at the door because that pain probably, it, like it's not a serious pain. It was a small bit of muscular pain. Mm-hmm combined with sore hands what did you do on a Saturday um, we trained in the morning and then went to the salt mines I think oh yeah um, yeah that Saturday session was pretty good I think yeah Um. so like I suppose terms it's hard to leave behind training sessions too sometimes yeah. oftentimes you just have to give it a bit of time I think personally for me that if I just just the next day I'll have forgotten about it and look it's probably not a bad thing to remember shit this thing was shit or yeah. I wasn't able to do all the sets of this but the main thing is that it won't affect the rest of your sessions for mm -hmm. the week or for the month Yeah, um, and it means that by the time you get back around to doing that similar session so day one of the next week that you're not going to bring bad habits back in you know Yeah, um, it's definitely no bad thing to remember but another thing like a framing technique you could use would be journaling so having your training journal there writing down what went well and what went poorly mm -hmm. and it kind of just leaves that in the book and it takes that pressure off you having to remember what actually went wrong or what actually went right um, and then if you need to refer back to it you can easily just open the book the next week the um, wave thing I think if you can compare it to other sports as well is that it's um, it can be particularly mind fucking <laughs> yeah it's just the worst way to put it but the problem with it is days you feel shit you might go do unbelievable but then the days you think you're like oh today's the day I feel so yeah. fucking good yeah yeah and then you go in and you just blow yourself away how shit you are yeah you know those kind of days that's what really fucks you over I think um, for me personally the the best way I can kind of keep the momentum going mentally is if the momentum when I train is going really well yeah like we all feel it you know if you if your training's going really well all the time and you're on a high and you're on the crest of your wave, it's very easy it's to very keep the, philosophical. It's very easy to keep <laughs> the whole thing going, you know. So, like, and it, it's it's hard not to, you know, it's hard because you always live in the moment, obviously, as yeah. humans. Like, so that when your shit session, you're deep, balls deep in that session, it's very hard not to be like, 
oh, this is it now. I'm going to never, ever, yeah, yeah, ever, yeah. like, you know, so you're missing a 100 kilo front squat and your best is 140 or something. It's very hard not to be like, oh, Jesus, I'm shit now. I'm never yeah. going to front squat more again, you know. And then literally two days later, you might clean and jerk 140 or something, you know. It's, it's, um, got to have patience too, I think, is a big yeah. thing. And I suppose if we're looking at, um, like, long term, all across those, those say, like, those 12 weeks of competition, it's very hard not to feel kind of uh, frantic yeah. when those sessions are eating away. I think things as weightlifters as well, we tend to think that, oh, it has to be this squat cycle that I hit this PB. Yeah. Or I it has to probably, be this program that yeah. I have to snatch, whatever. I think it's weightlifters in particular do that a yeah, lot. Yeah, and uh, it's a particularly neurotic sport in terms of... The weirdos that it draws into it. Yeah, well, yeah, they're that thing that... Yeah. People who are drawn to weightlifting tend to be a certain kind of person. Um, but it's also that the lifts themselves require a huge amount of um, mental focus. And like, it's mental weakness is most of the time why you'll actually miss a lift. Most of the time it's not because you're not strong enough to pull it high enough or fast enough to get under it. How would you? time it is mentally clerking a lift. How would you, um, let's say we have a lifter, right? We'll take a weightlifter for a moment. This is probably applied to the others, but not so much. Let's say we're 10 weeks into our 14 weeks competition prep and we, we've picked that prep right. And we, let's say we're doing the qualifications for the Europeans and we're, let's say we need 100, 120, whatever. And it's, we're capable of it, right? But it doesn't look like it's happening. Yeah. Well, it looks like we're still capable, right? But yeah. those sessions aren't happening. And the program is ma- is sensible, right? What what's that lifter gonna like? Let's say we're three weeks out now, four weeks so, out. So we're getting frantic now. We're like, yeah, fuck. Like, we're, and I suppose, what do you do? Is there a way of turning around? Yeah, there definitely. Because like, it's that momentum. That training momentum is just has ground to a halt. It's gone. Like we're yeah. we're off the crest. Like we're things are you're getting really frantic. Yeah. So like I think, assuming by this now, what's happening is once they go for a heavy single, something like ninety percent, or they go above a certain percentage, they're choking. Yeah, let's say they, let's say it's but it's it's for, let's say it was in a standalone session. Now let's say for the last two or three weeks, like the lifter knows it's not right. Yeah. What the fuck? So there's doing? like choking is a really studied area. One of the main things you can do to get around that is using like a mental imagery script. Mm-hmm. Um. So if I asked you to describe everything from the look of the platform to the barbell to what you hear when you walk up to the bear, mm-hmm. what you feel when you grip the bear, what you feel or what everything feels like when you pull the bear off the floor. You'd want to sit down with someone for like half an hour to an hour and write out every single piece of that. Really? Yeah. So what we could do is, say now if it was you and mm-hmm. you were going for a competition and you kept missing 150 mm-hmm. and I'd want every single detail of that and then we'd transpose that down into a readable script. Mm-hmm. So the script might be an A4 page long or it might be five A4 pages long. Yeah. Then we'll just uh, note that. So we'll start like coding things or teaming certain things like um, like your physiological prep. So you might feel tightness in your quads. We'll want anxiety markers. Like you might feel your heartbeat in your neck. You might feel sweat or you might feel like really cold or really hot. And then you'll just take those kind of five or six pieces of your code Mm-hmm. you'll start running through those in your head so you'll do like a little mental training session then you'll go into the training session apply that same script so you might if by this stage it might be 10 words and it like four different little teams in those 10 words go through that go up and lift the bar you won't lift the 90% you've been missing you might just do that with 70 or 75% what would those 10 words look like? Um. so for the snatch it might be uh tight hands chin up back tight slow off the floor and do you use this in your own training um i do in the snatch but mine in the snatch is only slow off the floor yeah because for me because i'm not really weighed for weightlifting if i pull really really fast off the floor or attempt to pull really really i don't think it's ever going to be fast but if i attempt to do it my knees will say too far forward and the bear like loops out around. It's like a it's like a Christmas gift it's thought the cunts. <laughs> so I know if the bear kind of feels slow as I'm pulling it off the floor but my chest stays up mm-hmm. that most of the time that snatch is gonna be okay. Yeah. So that 
that mental imagery script for me and snatching it's only kind of on heavier weights I just think heavy off the floor or slow off the floor and we all know weightlifters we've probably if you've competed yourself you've probably experienced this point in the training cycle and you've everybody has pulled it out their ass yeah everyone has done it you know, so yeah, yeah. again the problem with weightlifting is that it's not necessarily a true indication of how your training is going like a lot of times your training might be going great and it's, it goes to shit on the day and yeah. then vice versa happens so it's um, I think the other thing is like sometimes we can just take the psychology out of it completely and you could say everything goes to shit in week 9 mm-hmm. for the rest of week 9 we'll strip everything back they'll come into the gym they'll do some full snatches full clean and jerks light mm-hmm. keep their squat going or if their pulls are going well keep those going Yeah, and then come back in on week 10 try and bring it back to a level of normality but still no missed lifts mm-hmm. and then gradually build from there I think for for like for powerlifters it's probably similar yeah although with powerlifters you it's kind of like we were saying last week on the programming how to program for your training load or for yourself it's it, you can't really pull it out the bag with powerlifting if that's the stage where you're three weeks out you're not you're not turning it around like you no and I think it's it's that thing of it takes so much longer to just a crew of level of volume where your strength increases like mm-hmm. like at a certain point no amount of metal and training will make you a better lifter no like so whereas for weightlifting it can be one cue mm-hmm. and it's bang or it can be one feeling and it works and then suddenly you've unlocked a new code yeah a new power Superpower. Whereas, like with part of thing, if you're supposed to be squatting two fifty and you're missing two hundred for doubles three weeks out, there's, yeah. you're just not. It's not going to happen for you. There's a very definite ceiling on your strength. What happens then, though? What does an athlete do? If you let's say you're a part of thing, you're three weeks out, and it's just, is it, is there any scenario where it's a good idea just to not compete? Yes. Or else reassess what your goals are. Yeah. If it's something like you have five competitions where you can qualify for nationals or something, mm-hmm. maybe just say, oh, I'm not going to do this one, I'll do one in two months. Mm-hmm. If it's a thing where you're not under pressure and it's not to qualify for something mm-hmm. or get a certain amount of points, just go to that competition. Do the competition with kind of a reframed approach to what your goals are. Just have fun? Yeah, have some fun. But like maybe just yeah. be like, oh, I'm not going to do 250, I'm going to do 230. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just admit that things didn't go well and then try and fix it for the next time. At, at what point are you being a bitch? Ooh. What's the psychological word for that? Or what would be the phrase you'd use for someone who's conti- afraid of fear? Um, anxiety, mainly. Like, wh- at what point are you... Letting your anxiety take control? Um, but let's say your anxiety is, is fairly well-founded, though. Like, at, at what point are you being stupid or being or being sensible or being stupid you know, or being a bitch like at what point is is you not doing that competition or not aiming for your goals still at what point is it where you're just see that's where I think that like coach athlete dynamic comes into it so much yeah you, you need that coach you, to be like you're not being a bitch you train really hard but yeah. you just need to and like as coaches we've both done both approaches where mm-hmm. it's like you're being a bit of a bitch sort yeah. your shit out yeah. show up on Saturday you're still competing most of the time that is the case yeah I would just like to say but then there's definitely times where it's like look it's it's February you have eight more possible competitions mm-hmm. let's just reassess don't go to the competition don't do it um, I think um, if you take it like a more micro scale of that it's sometimes knowing what the rest can be a similar situation yeah sometimes you it's hard it's very hard for say most of us no matter what sport you're in if you're a weightlifter or part of the crossfitter real athlete or whatever yeah. sometimes it's very hard to 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 figure out with yourself are you like you you want to go to the gym right and you do feel shit and you're you you're wondering to yourself jesus i just want to go home now and not train yeah. and you're like i know rest is important we all know rest is really important but sometimes it's really hard to figure out yeah, with yourself. Are you, are you being a bitch? That is the fine line. Like, you yeah. know, and it's, that's very hard to figure out. Yeah. I still haven't figured it out very well, to be honest. I had a coach before, like, playing through injury is something that happens a lot in rugby. And I had a coach before, he used to say, like, the hardest part of being an athlete isn't knowing when to go, it's mm. knowing when to stop. It's very, it's so hard. Yeah, and like... And because we hear all these things about Michael Jordan stayed for four hours oh after practice. God, or, yeah. or we, you know, you hear all those things and 
you, it's very hard for you to not then be like, "Geez, I should train anyway." And like yeah. a lot of times, going into doing that session, maybe a bigger is going to be a bigger detriment than it is a positive for you. Like, yeah, I think so. And it's like when we spoke about, I think it was last week when we spoke about waking up at four a.m. to do cardio after four hours of sleep. You know, it's that thing of stepping over hundred dollar bills to pick up pennies. Yeah, like you going to the gym will improve your mental resilience will make sure everything stays on program but then it might mean that you did that on a Tuesday and you're not able to train again until the Friday because you're so weed up whereas it might just have been taking the Tuesday off and then getting back at it on Wednesday because and then sometimes on the opposite of that is you have to train really hard yeah that's the problem so then it's very hard to it's very hard to figure out which is which I like just having kind of Having athletes involved or knowing themselves that like, oh, this next three weeks is going to feel like ass. Mm-hmm. And lifts aren't going to feel good. Because some, exactly, sometimes you do need to go to a point where you feel really shit and you do need to train while you feel shit. Yeah. To kind of overcompensate then. Yeah, and it might be like, we're really trying to get your squat up at the moment. Your snatch and clean and jerk is not going to feel good, but you still have to get these sets done. I think for, you know, if you're talking about the point, if you're like a crossfitter as well, if you're like before that competition, you're you're gonna know as a powerlifter as well. If you're two weeks out, yeah. if you're not very fit, like you're gonna know you're not fit, you know. Yeah. And then at that point, then again, I suppose, is it a good idea just to show up and fucking do it? I think with CrossFit you can do that. I think with Cross and you probably should do that. Yeah, I was just about to say mm-hmm. whether like there are certain things you just should do. Yeah. Um, like I don't think in CrossFit you're gonna uh, have such a detrimental pro or damage to your process no trying opening that one competition is going to fuck up your training cycle yeah like there's Froning talked about this in like 2010 no maybe 2011 um he was talking about like two or three weeks before the games i think he got married they did like basically loads of shit just before the games mm-hmm. and he was like it's not the ideal prep we adopted it um he adopted two oh no that was that was a few years after oh, okay but he was like um this isn't ideal. He was saying, yeah, he was talking to his dad. He was like, this isn't ideal. I'm also not going to tell my fiance that I'm not going to marry her because I have a CrossFit competition yeah. next week. And he was like, whatever's in the barn is in the barn. I'm not going to make any more hay at this stage. Yeah. So let's just go and do it. And he ended like up that, winning. Yeah. yeah. And then for real athletes, it's, um, geez, that's yeah. a toughie. So if like, you're a, if you're on a team or something. Yeah, if you're like a team sport athlete or a track and field athlete or somebody who doesn't compete in the gym or with weights, yeah, um, I think a lot of the time for them, the gym sessions end up being, it's such, most of the time it's prehab work or rehabilitation work, whereby <laughs> they're not actually really attacking big heavy weights. So that mental preparation thing doesn't come into it. You might have a time in your off season where you're, volume is a bit higher and you're trying to put on size you're trying to gain strength or power and those sessions might be a bit harder but most of the time they're simple really those are, yeah they're simple sessions not requiring huge psychological uh amounts of or amounts of psychological capital you don't really have to like prep yourself or get yourself yeah. psyched for a session um there might be like some testing sessions at the start or the end of a period where things get pretty heavy uh, but besides that those sessions are pretty low key I used to get very nervous before training for football and stuff yeah did you ever get nervous no I fucking love training really yeah. see I didn't so maybe that was why yeah 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 did you get nervous for games yeah I'd never the day of the game I'd never be nervous but the Friday night or the Saturday night if it was on a Sunday um, I wouldn't be able to think about anything else and I'd be like I'd be like a tyrant at home because like my parents would be there or I'd be like hanging out with the lads and like what do you want to watch on TV? I don't care <laughs> what you ever did I don't care grumpy teenager yeah and I'd just be like sitting in my room or I'd be like just doing something to try and get my mind off but yeah the night before and it wasn't like this thing of nervousness because I'd always have a level of confidence where I was like oh the game's going to be good I'm going to enjoy playing the game even if we get our ass handed to us and we get like really badly beaten but it was just, I was thinking about just rugby mm-hmm. and just my job so much. It was like that thing of paralysis through analysis. Um, what do you do then? Because like, let's say a lot of 
Like I think especially I the weightlifters. Braveheart. What's that? Go to sleep. Are you serious? Yeah. But what about let's say um, powerlifters and weightlifters now who who, are, who have a big session coming up, like a big yeah. max out session? What do they like? What if they're getting that kind of? It's gone beyond framing the session. It's yeah. gone to a point where they're just really. Really High levels of anxiety. Frantic about it. It's got neurotic now. It's it's, yeah. it's it's deep inside the brain that they're just thinking about it and they're taking themselves into a corner. Yeah. So like, like I was saying there, you know, you know why you're doing weightlifting or powerlifting, and you know that you enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it, you put yourself under any less pressure while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. But I think if it is something that like you're lying in bed at night and you can feel yourself clenching the sheets, mm-hmm. or like you're staring at the ceiling for hours, I think it might be something that you have to maybe just take a step back we talked about journaling earlier where we take the responsibility of having to remember things from ourselves and put it into a journal Mm -hmm. and it might just be the same thing now with our goals we know training is going in a certain direction we've reached a level of seriousness in the program where we really have to concentrate on things and now it might just be i'm going to take 15 minutes on sunday night i'm going to review my program i'm going to write out certain things for each session Mm -hmm. and then it just means monday evening I open my book, I'm going to say, okay, this is what I have to concentrate on. Once Monday is done, I'll close the book over. Once Tuesday starts, I'll open the book and have a look at what Tuesday's session is. I like. I usually get my programs um, weekly from Gabriel. So I think it's, it kind of breaks it down fairly well because yeah. it just lets me concentrate. One of the reasons I got a coach, obviously, was just to remove a lot of the need for me to think about sessions. And you, you used to have such levels of... Mm-hmm. Because you have to, like, yeah, and like you're be aiming like, for big lifts. Oh, like. I'm, th- I'm thinking of doing this um, now for the next few weeks. What do you think? And then you'd end up like you could ask me. You could end up tight. Like, yeah, you'd be asking loads of people, and then constantly asking questions. Mm-hmm. Whereas having the coach is like a whole other level of just handing something over mm-hmm. and kind of taking that nervousness from yourself. I think those things are definitely positive. I don't think high levels of anxiety are ever really, really a good thing. No. No. I think it's probably mental preparation for training will definitely tie in with the old subject of stimulants. Yeah. What's and the... If myself and Gurf are sounding a bit jerky on the phone, it's because there's cans of Monster in the front of this <laughs> car being drank before we go training. Do you... What's the literature say about um, stimulants? Stimulants? So obviously like the classic stimulant is is caffeine and it's what most of us will take before training. Mm-hmm. Um, what a lot of people don't realise is with caffeine is caffeine was a banned substance mm-hmm. for sports up until like 2006? No, it was, uh, no it was super early, early 2000s? Yeah, it was early 2000s. Um, and that's because it has noted benefits for strength of power sports. Um, if you look at the literature, a lot of those studies use up to 500 milligrams which is a fucking huge amount of caffeine. It's like three cans of Monster. Um, Some it, people, it's not a huge amount of <laughs> caffeine now, is it? Some people. Yeah. Um, but taking caffeine in relatively high doses, around 40 minutes to an hour before a power or a strength activity, is really, really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably the most beneficial thing you could do in terms of supplement taking pre-sessions. Um, At what point does it become that like your lucky socks though, or your geez I can't train now I haven't had my coffee or I haven't had my caffeine you yeah know, at what point does it get to that um, and how do you mitigate so that with pre-performance routines right there's certain like rules of thumb it should never be ritualistic what's that how do you mean so um, say if you have a thing where you always you have to have pancakes before a big competition mm-hmm. unless the pancakes are like physiologically going to make you better at that competition Mm-hmm. You probably shouldn't have that as part of your pre. Also, it has routine. to have like legitimate benefit. Yeah, yeah, reason. yeah, yeah. So, um, caffeine does have a legitimate reason to be there. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure taking, um, like one cup of coffee before you train is actually going to have a difference in terms of what the literature says. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, I don't think they've gone fairly high in some doses. Like, oh, they go for really high doses. Yeah, some of them are like. There's a guy hospitalised last year because mm. took two grams by accident. For a study? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, so it was like a, Some of them go for a research assistant weighing out the amount of uh, caffeine. They were supposed to give 200 milligrams and gave two grams. Did he read the balance wrong? Your man, I don't know, did your man die, but he's in intensive care for like two weeks. Um, 
That's yeah, other things like pre-workouts that might have like blends, they might have things like creatine or beta alanine in them. Look, they can be beneficial in terms of what the literature would say. Caffeine is probably the most effective stimulant to take. And mm-hmm. um, there's some stuff on like carbohydrate shuttling and stuff post sessions as well. So it's probably no harm to have caffeine in your system while you're training. Yeah. Um. But like you were saying, you don't want to rely on anything too much because there come a day where you can't have that before you train or depending on what your thing is, you mightn't be able to get that product in certain countries or yeah. whatever it is. Um, I like caffeine before I train. You sure do. <laughs> I think, but is there is there any argument to be made, I wonder, for having no... None of these things before yes. training. So let's say, let's say it's not a, not just a stem now, but let's say it's your, I don't know, let's say you've a banana. Yeah. Is there an argument for not having those? Is there? Definitely, right. So these kind of routines or these like little habits we have before we do something can be as unproductive as they are productive if they become what we're solely focused on. Mm-hmm. So say if you have to go for a shit, have to have your banana, mm-hmm. and have to watch a YouTube video before you train. Yeah. That's probably not the most productive thing because there's going to come a time where uh, you don't have time to go and do all three of those things. Mm-hmm. You might have just eaten, so the banana is not an ideal thing to be putting into your system just before you train. Um, and other things can change all the time. We should just rely on our own our own selves or yeah. we should have the mental capacity to get prepared for training without having a huge list of physical things we do or psychological things we do I know Misha Kluklai have talked about not using caffeine until competitions yeah because um, he got a bit kind of how would you say uh, magic is probably the only word I can think of what is, is it like, you just can't draw on the what's deep inside you yeah 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 if you rely on caffeine yeah, he was kind of saying it, kind of like, uh, like, blocks your ability. Yeah, I get where he was coming from. Yeah, but I, he like, I also get that a lot of people are just after working nine hours. Yeah, and, and it's uh, completely different being a professional athlete that's than the it thing, is like, to yeah. being the normal person. Um, I think in terms of pre-competition, we always get people to stop on a Monday or a Tuesday drinking coffee for the week. Yeah, or your tolerance comes back within six in like, or seven days or something. Yeah, in like three or four days, your tolerance is always back. Um, and like, if any of you guys want to try this, stop drinking coffee on a Tuesday and then go in for your session on a Saturday and just have like a small amount of caffeine, maybe 200 milligrams, 250 milligrams, and you will feel fucking amazing. Great, great. Yeah, it is amazing. Like how fast that tolerance comes back. Um, actually, the there's like one of the OG CrossFitters, Miko Salo, the oh, Finnish guy. Yeah. Um, there's a video after he won the games. Was it in 2009 or, or else 2007? And it shows where he trained. So he won a row a rowing machine from Concept after winning the games, mm-hmm. and he had it in a storage unit where his father used to restore old furniture. Mm-hmm. So it was literally like all these old tables and chairs stacked up inside in this little shipping container kind of thing. And his rowing machine was in the middle. And the guy who was doing the video was like, Miko, how don't you have any music? Or you have nobody around you? Or there's no, like, there's no stimulus. Mm-hmm. And he just looks and he goes, if you need the music for the training, I think this is bad sports for you. <laughs> so, like, that is, yeah. I really like that kind of attitude where, yeah. like, you have to bring the game, you know. Yeah. Um, don't rely on stimulants. Don't rely on the music. Like we all like heavy music while we're squatting and stuff, but you can't always go to that level of stimulation. Yeah, you need to be able to listen to Cindy Lauper while you're squatting as much as Girl Junior yeah. or something. But Miko Salos was uh, particularly mentally strong. Yeah, he, as as crossers go, he was pretty standout among yeah basically all the crossers so far or have been. He um he was. He was retired. I remember like, he, at one point he was saying that he never lies on his back after a workout because he, he's like, because obviously in the animal kingdom, that's a sign of giving up or, yeah. or showing your weakness. So he said he made sure he never, ever, ever did that, which was. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Which was pretty. So there was something to that, right? Yeah. He, um, he was talking about as well, like, 
so he's like I think he's a firefighter he's some EMT rescue guy anyway he was saying like no matter how hard he trains he still sees people who are in a worse situation every day you know and he was like this always makes me feel good um, <laughs> I know that no matter how bad I am feeling yeah. it will always be better than the person I am saving that's mad like yeah um, I think for me personally a lot of mental um, fortitude comes from training is that it's from the momentum you know it's that like let's say I've double to 14 this or yeah clean or something or double to 14 the back squat or something yeah I'll know I can do like 270 or something though yeah yeah I'll yeah. find them a big I do rely not rely on the momentum but it um it really helps to you know that when everything's going well like I know I can keep it going then you know yeah but I think also part of everything is accepting that most of the time it's just going to be shit <laughs> unfortunately yeah and I I really do think you have to kind of appreciate those small little wins you know mm-hmm. and like if your squat's going great just take that your squat is going great and then your deadlift is probably going to improve because of that or, or vice versa it just started lashing rain um, fresh from the Algarve sunburned <laughs> yeah if anybody wants to see how sunburned ginger people get Gurf is like luminous red at the moment. We'll find out next week now when we go to Qatar. Oh my god, yeah. That's gonna be a really exciting trip. Yeah. Um we'll do um so hopefully we'll do a podcast with Miso and hopefully his father and brother. Yeah. But we'll also do um just a recap podcasts of the days of stuff we are kind of learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll have some I don't know if we should call them podcasts, but uh audio Audio snippets, snippets of people we're going to call and try to help them. Yeah, so Gurf put out a thing on his Instagram last week um, saying that if you're going through a plateau in training, just shoot me a message. We'll try and arrange a video call um, where we'll try and give out some tips. It ended up being like 50 something. Yeah, 50 people. people were like, which will show you how many people are in a position where they're frustrated with their training. Yeah. That's what we're here for. So what we're going to try and do, guys, and we, we'll probably be in contact with you anyway, is schedule all those calls. Um, and if you're happy enough for your voice to be recorded, we're just going to record those Skype calls and then try and give you those snippets. So just so we're not giving one person some advice, we can give it to everybody. At the yeah, because a lot of time, a lot of those people said they're like, oh, I'm a lot of like say we're general strength. They were like, I'm stuck in a 140 back squat and like I don't know how to get beyond it. Or yeah. I'm stuck in a 60 kilo snatch or something, you know. So a lot of the time, a lot of you listening will probably have the exact same problems or very similar problems or have one of those problems. And if you figure out a way of fixing yourself, it might help you and hopefully it'll help the person. Yeah, definitely. So um, we also have the T-shirt pre-sale coming on probably the end of this week. Mm-hmm. Um, just waiting on that order to come back. So some good things happening. Probably the last kind of thing we'll just say about mental preparation. One of the, if we look at this on like a really high level thing, so like th- that fourteen week strength cycle, I think the number one thing for mental preparation for me would be that I was super honest with myself at the start, and that I say this is one or two things I want to achieve here. Yeah. Within reasonable enough bounds, like I definitely think making your goals nice and big is a good idea, but they have to be achievable. Okay. You know, if we go and set these crazy goals um, that are completely unachievable, we're just going to feel bad about it anyway. Yeah. And it won't help us kind of continue that momentum as we go through. And a lot of times you might surprise yourself if you set those achievable goals every 14 weeks. You'll end up at that unachievable goal that you originally set for yourself if you would have over 14 weeks, but it might have taken you... But you'll have progressed far beyond what you would have done Yeah. if you kept repeating a cycle of every 12 weeks being like, okay, this time now I'm going to snatch 100. And then when you're on 60, you know? Yeah. Like, and it'll probably, it'll also reduce the amount of enjoyment you'll get. So let's say you started at 60 and you got to 75, which would be a huge achievement after 14 weeks or something like that. And rather than being like, fucking had a 15 kilos, I sat, you'd be like, didn't get 100 this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then next time you might get to 85 or 82 and you're like, still didn't get to 100. Rather than being like, let's say la- let's say the second time you're like, I'm going to go from 75 to 80 and then you get 82 and you've overachieved yeah. then and you're delighted with yourself, you know? And I thought, like, we definitely understand being the person who's like sees other people like that thing you're saying, snatching a hundred kilos. Mm-hmm. Seeing those other people in the gym being like, "I need to snatch a hundred kilos now," 
big goals are just a culmination of hundreds of small little goals. Yeah. Like, Joe, that back squat PB I hit last week was culmination of hitting 180 for, I don't know, was it like 8, 190 for 5, then 200 for 6, mm-hmm. then 210 for a double. And it's just all these small little goals that are set out in front of you. Yeah. It also takes out that kind of anxious feeling of like, is it going to be there? Is it going to be there? Yeah. Because you just know I've achieved these last five smaller goals I've set for myself. And now when are you over the bigger one, you're a lot more confident. On a totally random note there, totally, this is so off track. It's not even, it's not even funny. I was reading a, a paper yesterday and it did a study on um, uh, cyclists. Yeah off a 16 hour flight and they measured their so obviously when they, you're in the air your cabin pressure is less than it would be at ground level and it was measuring their oxygen uh, absorption rate yeah so obviously for most people it'll be like 99% when you're on the ground theirs after a 16 hour flight up to 48 hours they were down to I think it was like 92% oxygen absorption yeah yeah that's crazy. crazy that's crazy isn't it yeah, that's a lot. Like, yeah, yeah. So imagine yeah. how much that's fuck. So for weightlifting, it might fuck up a little bit, but for like endurance sports, that's huge. Yeah, sixteen hour. That's flight. the difference between like an average person's VO two max and a super elite. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So after forty eight hours, I think it were kind of nearly returned to normal. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's still a long time. Like. Yeah. That's mad, isn't it? Especially when you consider like most kind of triathletes are like what you might in the industry call weekend warriors. Yeah, yeah. Where they work a normal job and they'll fly out to somewhere on the weekend and they'll do an Ironman. Yeah. So that could conceivably be that like the person who's on the ground the whole time would have like 5% advantage over someone who isn't. So what's uh, like what's even an 8-hour flight doing to someone, do you know? Yeah. Five, five, say 5% reduction or something like that, you know? it's. Yeah, like we've the Ironman in Cork on the oh, 23rd yeah. of June. wonder how many people are flying from like eight hours or further away and you're not even taking it into account your like your change in routine your change in sleeping schedule yeah. your change in food you're just not moving basically for 16 hours you're not getting like really good sunlight fresh air you're not eating your normal food most likely yeah. you're not drinking you're not water. training in the same place no you're different say, climatic conditions you have severe anxiety of flying and you could be terrified <laughs> stress levels are to the roof you're stressed from travelling because you're like, oh, i got to make it on time. So all of these things and you're literally... Gareth, do you get stressed from travelling? I actually don't. <laughs> and then you're on top of that, then you're just literally nothing you can do anything about yeah. is the old pressure is reducing your fucking, your gains. Like. Yeah. And it would affect weight to some extent in strength sports, but it's very, very... It's very, very small. Usually, at, um, the uh, weightlifters are in stuff will be there a few days before the competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, like just weightlifting in its very nature, it means... It would kind of affect training sessions more, and it would actually affect competition sessions. Yeah. Um, or competition period. Yeah. So as usual, guys, if you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, or if there's anything you want covered in the next few podcasts, just shoot, shoot us a message on the Instagram page at Strength S I K A. So before we go, we will do a wee plug. So we do programming and. Um, we do so our main hitters are seek a weightlifting. Yeah. Four days a week. With full main sessions, two accessory sessions, so stuff like your your unilateral stuff, your midline section, your bodybuilding, yeah. corrective exercises. Uh we have our Seek powerlifting, which is four big sessions, main lifts, working way down to assistance, bodybuilding. Be heavy on assistance list. We like yeah, all our programs. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Then we've got our... They're probably the set aside, if you look at our programs versus what kind of the competitive programs would be. Um, we really do focus on having nice, well-rounded accessory ses- sessions. Lifters. Yeah, getting people... To, yeah. yeah. Then we have our... Our great one for getting act is our off-season athlete. Yeah. So athlete, again, would be someone like a rugby player or maybe an athletics person or a soccer player or a boxer or whoever yeah focuses really on strength strength squats, hypertrophy deadlifts, power production dips chin ups yeah core all that good shit yeah they're, they're really nice well rounded programs um, and it gets a lot of work done in a short period of time and then finally probably our next big hitter is our Rotonier Basketball Program, which is an eight-week eight week basketball program. 
probably the most bought program definitely yeah I'd say for sure eight weeks to a new 1RM the big thing which we didn't really actually expect was loads of loads of people have hit rep maxes along yeah. the way like huge VVs you get people messaging us being like oh I, uh, I don't know what to do I, uh, I, uh, like I I failed the second last week but they were like oh okay and we are like uh, what were the weights and then they're like yeah also those last three sets were like new 5RMs and 3RMs yeah 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 like so with um so a lot of people actually don't get back to us. If you've done the program, get back to us and tell us what PBs you made because we do love hearing. So one person, he added 15 kilos to his 5RM, his 3RM, and then he added 5 kilos to his 1RM, I think. Yeah. But I'd say if he gave another week or two, he would add another 10 kilos. Yeah, definitely. And it means... Like and he wasn't... He was squatting over 200 kilos. Yeah. So he wasn't literally going from 80 to 90 kilos. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of people who are on big squat numbers <laughs> and making PBs on that program as well. Um... I think the main thing with that program is like you fucking earn it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of volume in that squat program. Yeah. It's purposely two days a week. Um, mm-hmm. And we do get people asking like, oh, can I run this four days a week? Like, no. It's not the program to do that. Way, you won't you know? be able to. No way. You'll be able to do it in the first probably two weeks. It's fucking hard enough as it is. We get It's like, a very difficult program. We do get people, you know, we do get people failing reps and sets and yeah. stuff and still going on to hit PBs. Because a lot of time... They'll be doing five by five at a ten kilo five RM, and they'll do three sets of five. And rather being like, oh, "I just had a new five RM for three yeah. sets," they'll be like, "I failed the last two sets." <laughs> and you're like, "You should be delighted that you hit your five RM for yeah. three sets." Like, and um, a lot of times that happens, people move on and still hit their one RMs. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, and it's a fucking tough program. It's so tough. You need to kind of say for those two months, the eight weeks, everything else. You can do all your other training, but. The squatting is going to be numero uno yeah. on the priorities list. You've got to go ham and potatoes on that. We also have, talking about hard-ass training programs, the CrossFit Strength Program. Oh, did I forget about um, that? That's a dinger. Yeah, really, really nice program. Very tough. Um, obviously, highly strength-orientated. We have written it so you can run it concurrently with your conditioning. <laughs> four um, sessions a week. Four sessions a week. Approximately an hour and a half. Yeah. Most sessions. Depends how fast you move. And what we're kind of think, or what we we kind of prescribe people to do is get their conditioning work done earlier on the day, um, and then go on to your strength session in the evening. If you don't have the luxury of training twice a day, we'd say take your four sessions, make those your priorities to hit those during the week, mm-hmm. and then two auxiliary uh, conditioning sessions. Yeah, and they might be things like longer rows um, or longer runs. All very popular. All are doing quite well. Yeah. So yeah. And it's the usual thing, even like even if you're not on the programs, just shoot us any questions you have. We'll facilitate you as best you can and get back to you as fast as we can. For sure. Website will be up this week? Yes. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thank you.